Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to talk about hope. You know, I heard, I think, the Joyce Meyer talk about that the enemy doesn't come at us and try to attack our faith. He tries to, to attack our life and bring trials and tribulation so that we lose our hope. And if we become hopeless then we begin to get frustrated and allow things into our lives that we would normally not allow when we are standing strong. In the times of hopelessness, then our faith can be eroded because we wonder where God is. So when we have hope, in spite of our trials and tribulations, in spite of what we're going through, in spite of what's going on, we can be as solid as a rock. You know, hope is is something that we struggle with. You know, for the majority of my life, I did not have hope. You know, I thought life was going to suck, and life did suck, and life's always going to suck, and what's the point if it's just going to suck? You know, so when it came time to try to get sober, and they're telling me all this work I needed to do, that I didn't have the ambition to try to, to do any of that because I thought, what's the point? It's still just going to suck. You know, I believed in this idea of fate that I've been dealt this hand of cards and I'm just supposed to suffer and this is my life. Oh, well, poor me. You know, it wasn't until Christ came along in my life that I began to see a little bit of light in the midst of my darkness. You know, and things began to change for me. Many of us pre-Jesus were quite a mess. Some of us post-Jesus are still pretty messy. And we're working on some things. In Psalm 62.5 it says, Find rest, O my soul. In God alone my hope comes from Him. Haven't we tried to find hope in so many things? This new job is going to bring me hope. This new relationship is going to bring me hope. You know, I got money, it's going to bring me hope. I got a stimulus check. I got hope. You know, I got a new puppy. I got a new car. You know, I got rid of the girl. I got rid of the guy. Now I have hope. Haven't we tried to grab onto so many things to find hope? And yet within a short amount of time, we realize that life is still pretty sucky. You know, and I've spent the majority of my life Chasing down what I want and doing whatever it takes to get it and always feeling empty, always feeling despair, always feeling broken, you know, and such a prideful man I was, such a prideful man I still can be, you know, and I have to continue to to put my life before Jesus because without him, there is no hope. You know, recovery has taught me principles. The Bible has taught me principles. Jesus has taught me principles that I live by today. That they're yard markers. They're posts along the trail that point in the direction I should head, in the direction I try to, to lead. You know, and if I live by one of these principles, that no matter how bad life may get, that 
principle that God's promise doesn't change in spite of my feelings, in spite of what my eyes may see, in spite of what I'm going through, that I can find hope in Christ. Because it's not about me. It's not about what I see. It's not about what I feel. It's all about who Christ is. And one of these principles that I fought and fought and fought, and I watch you guys wrestle with and fight and hate at times, is the idea of being powerless. You know, and I've learned that powerless is, being powerless is such a, a key principle. Because in my pride, I think I can change anything. I am a master manipulator. I should have a PhD in it. Why is it so hard for you guys to manipulate me? It's because I was really good at it. I see you guys coming with like neon signs. I know the tone. I know the language. It's very familiar to me. So when someone's trying to manipulate me, it's like bells go off in my head. It's like, not today. You know, and I thank God that he uses some of the things that were pre-Jesus in my life today because I can be extremely stubborn. And God can use that for his purposes if I cannot be shaken. In certain things that people come at me in certain ways, and, and I just realize I am powerless to change the way they think, the way they feel. I cannot control them, but I can have a boundary. I can control myself and what I think and what I feel. And how powerlessness has taught me that is I've been able to release control and I stop trying to manipulate my surroundings. And in through that, peace begins to come. And I've learned that I am powerless over everything in my life. And it seems like that doesn't make sense. You know, we have to do certain things, and we have to do this, and we have to do that, and we have to control this, and we got to go to work, and I got to, you know, there's all these excuses that go on in my head. But at any given second, life can be over, right? Isn't that what we are learning right now? At any given second, we never know when our last breath might be breathed. I can have the greatest plans, I can have the greatest ideas, and at any second, that can change. I'm powerless over how my life goes. There is only one that has power, and he is God. And the more that I try to tap into him and who he is, that I begin to gain power that is not of me, because I am powerless, but I can be strong in Christ. Does that make sense to you? That I am not just thrown to the wind, and I don't have decisions to make. But if I make those decisions based on the word of God, or if I base those decisions by my relationship with God, and I defend that principle in my life, then I can have power that is not of me. It is of Christ alone. And then through that power, change begins to take place. Because how many times have we tried to change ourselves, and we're left hopeless once again? You know, that in our powerless, we begin to receive what God has for us. 
Because in my pride, I think I know stuff. Right? The hardest thing that I have faced as a Christian is trying to teach a Christian that they don't really know Jesus. Man, we think we know stuff. And it doesn't mean that we don't. But yet, at some place, there's something that's missing. Can we all agree? If there wasn't something missing, then we would be able to overcome anything set before us. Right? So, if it's me and my strength and what I think I know, then I should be able to have calm seas and float around wherever I want to go. How come everything comes crashing down all the time? I think that I need more... You know, I think that there's more to learn. You know, and many of you have, have heard me say these things, and some of you love them a lot. That we got to put everything that we think we know on the shelf and start over. You know, what does that mean? It means you put everything you think you know on the shelf and you start over. What does it start over mean? It means that. I need to get rid of everything I think I know about Jesus and get to know who he really is. Who is Jesus to you? Is the question that I was asked by the Holy Spirit before I even realized the Holy Spirit could talk to me. Because I wasn't good enough. I didn't even believe in God. Certainly didn't want Jesus. Didn't want religion. And yet, when I was faced with the idea of becoming religious, I had to really come to the understanding that I did not really know anything about this Jesus character except for the religious stuff I was taught at going to church as a kid. I had never read the whole Word of God. I've never read the Word of God at that point in time at all. So how can I say that I know someone when I've really spent no time trying to get to know him at all? Right? How much time have we spent really trying to get to know Him and what His Word actually says? At that time in my life, zero. So how can I say I know stuff about God? How can I say that He's not real? How can I say that He can't do if I don't know anything really about Him other than at Christmas time I get presents and at Easter time we hide the eggs because Jesus is coming back? I mean, there is kids in Sunday school that have way better doctrine than I did as a, a grown man. Because I didn't want to know it. But I knew everything. <laughs> Come on, I know I'm not the only one in this room that at one point in our, our lives that we knew stuff. <laughs> 25 years old, I was genius. Brilliant. Full of myself. Knew everything. Couldn't be taught a thing. Five more years of pain, I'm done. I don't know a thing. I've been doing this a minute now, and the more that I grow as a Christian, the older I get as a man, I realize how much I really just don't know. I think growing old is one of the humblest things that can happen for a person. It's because we realize how fragile we are. When I was 18, 19 years old, I am 
so strong, so brilliant. God's gift to the planet. Didn't believe in God, but I thought I was all that. You know, and we have to, to realize that so often that, you know, we've been sinning, you know, we've been stuck in our addiction, we've been struggling in one way or another, and then we tag a Jesus bumper sticker to our pain almost like a Band-Aid. I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that when you say I know, it means you don't know. That's what I've learned. Anytime that I'm trying to talk to somebody or anytime somebody comes to me and they say, I know, I know, I know, I just become quiet because I am powerless over the fact that you think you know. And the only thing that's going to teach you that you don't know is Jesus letting you suffer the consequences of what you think you know. How many times did we go, I know, and we went and did, and we got spanked? We have to be so careful that when we are struggling and we're stuck in sin and we're ready to change and we say, I'm willing to do whatever, and we, we, you know, are, you know, honestly, there's a part of us that's tired of pain, but willing to do whatever is a whole other category that we have not signed up for. And we throw some Jesus on it. We, you know, Chris, Joyce Myers would say our, our Christian bumper stickers. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, and we have to be covered that we don't just cover this stuff up with some religious jargon. You know, that this is not a quick fix. I absolutely believe that Jesus can come in and suddenly move. I have no doubt in that. I know that Jesus has done suddenly in my life, and I've heard and watched some of your stories and how Jesus has moved in your life in powerful ways. In a moment, things changed. There's testimony after testimony after testimony sitting in this room of how Jesus radically, suddenly performed a miracle in, in one of our lives. On one day, we woke up one way, one day, or one way, and by the end of that day, things were different. And it's because of Jesus. But I also believe that he takes us through this course of dis discipline and discipleship. And we expect everything's going to be a suddenly. And I'm just going to get what I want because I prayed for it. And I have yet to find the person that gets suddenlies every time they pray. Except Jesus. But Jesus didn't pray for his own selfish ambition. He prayed the will of the Father to heal the people. How often are we praying for someone else's healing and not gimme, 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 Jesus? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't. And it doesn't mean that we're not trying. But so often, the root of our problems is ourselves. And there's so many layers of denial <laughs> that each one of us in this room is in denial of something and we just aren't aware of it yet. Even though probably the person sitting next to you is aware of it, <laughs> you're just not ready to receive it. And the more that we know somebody, we're able to point out some things, aren't we? But are they willing to receive it when we talk to them about it? No. No. 
you know, and God allows us to go around and around and around and eventually we come to this place and we're like, oh, I get it now. Oh, I see it now. And I think it was Cloud and Townsend that said, from the time that we were aware of it, or the time that we were told about it, to the time that we're aware of it, the distance between those two events is how hard or, or how deeply we're impacted by said new awareness or acceptance or coming out of denial. So if it's been years since someone said, hey, this is an issue, and we're like, nah, nah, son, and then all of a sudden something happens and we come to this revelation, like, boom. It hits us like a wave. And all of a sudden it's like something's got to change. You know what? I think that Jesus is trying to teach us that there's no real quick fix. However, through a relationship with Him, there's nothing that we can't go through. You know, it's important that we dig this stuff out. And I have a lot of people that will disagree with me, and that's fine. I don't have to change the way they think about this. But I have heard since I became a Christian, people tell me to pray under the blood of Jesus and just keep it trucking, and nothing's changing. It's under the blood. Keep it trucking. It's under the blood. Keep it moving. It's under the blood. It's behind me and Jesus. I'm a new creation. And yet I'm still doing all the same stuff. So if I'm a new creation and it's under the blood, then why aren't these things changing? Well, that's what they told me, so that's what I said. Right? Come on. It's not under the blood until I let go of it. If I'm still the Lord of whatever that thing is, if I'm still in charge of whatever that thing is, if I'm still controlling whatever that thing is, if I'm still stuffing whatever that thing is, it's not Jesus's and it can't be under His blood. It's still in me. Follow me? And so often, I want Jesus to have it, but I won't let go of it. There's times I may put it down and I'll pick it right back up. There's times that I nail it to the cross and I pry that thing back off. Because as much as I want to let go, I still am enjoying, or I'm still afraid, or I'm still filling the blank. I absolutely believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. I'm not diminishing that on any level on this point. What I am saying is that I am the Lord of my life until I allow Him to be the Lord of my life. And that means I need to surrender. And a lot of times I don't want to surrender. I want Jesus to do it my way. I want Jesus to to co-sign my will. I just tell Jesus what I'm doing and expect him to bless me. Come on. And Tom's will be done. I mean, and Jesus' will be done. You know, and and we have to be mindful of the way we pray sometimes. But I do believe that there's this grace available to us that when we start to open some of these doors and we start to dig up some of this stuff, that His presence comes in real powerful. Because He knows that we can't do that without Him. I don't think that we could explore some of the the demons that are in our past, that some of the things that have been haunting us since we were children, if Jesus' grace wasn't in that place, we would not 
be able to face it. But so often we spend our whole life running from that stuff, and Jesus is like, no, I'm, I got you. My grace is sufficient to face your nightmare. My grace is sufficient to look back into your past and, and lay that stuff at my feet. I will set you free. I promise I will do it. I promise if you let me in this door that I'm knocking on, healing will come. No, I can't, Jesus. It's scary. We'll just leave that one alone and keep it moving. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And Jesus is like, no, it's this door. we got to get in here. This is the thing that keeps tripping you up. And we have this layer of denial that we've been telling ourselves certain lies that keep that door nailed shut. And it's not until we come out of said denial, come into an idea that there is more work to be done, or this lie is, is not real, this deception has been illuminated by truth, that we can begin to open this door and begin to face what's in that past and realize that His grace is sufficient. That His strength comes when I am weak. And I believe that this is where we really begin to believe in God. What do we believe about God? In all honesty, everyone in this room is a Christian. 99.9%. There's a couple in the back there we're working on. But in all honesty, if we went around this room about certain you know, truths or certain you know, major principles in the Bible, we would have disagreements. And that is what it is. We have our opinions on certain things, and that's fine. But there are certain things that that is the way it is. This is truth or it isn't. You know, there's majors and there's minors. There's stuff that we can disagree on and it is what it is. But there's stuff about Jesus that if we don't have that right, it affects every other area of our life. Because I can say I have Jesus and be a Mormon. I can say I have Jesus and be a whole Jehovah's Witness. I can say I have Jesus and be all sorts of weird stuff. Right? Now, we would say they don't have Jesus. But they would say, I know Jesus. Like, my Jesus didn't come from outer space. You know, and it's important that we get into the Word of God and we begin to know who Christ is through His Word because that's the God that we say we believe in. You know, and the more we go through difficult things, we have to, to rest and grab a hold of and be secured in Christ that He gets us through these things that we grow stronger in our belief, and this is where the restoration really begins to come. Because if I'm not powerless, and I'm still trying to manipulate and control, and I'm still trying to do it my way, I'm not doing it Jesus' way as much as I think I am. And we've all been guilty of that at some level or another. At some point in our life, I'm doing it Jesus' way, and we hit a roadblock, don't we? We hit a dead end. We hit, do not go this way anymore. We hit you got to go right. you got to go left. This isn't the way we're supposed to be doing it. And we're like, wait a minute. This is what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. we got to readjust this thing. You know, and, and it's not because we mean that we're doing it. I don't think that sometimes that we're trying 
to do the wrong things. I just think that there's deception that, that we're unwilling to face or there's, you know, lies or there's brokenness that we don't want to, you know, uproot. And it, we create this system that protects certain areas of our past so that it doesn't get undug because it's painful. And until we uncover that stuff and we put that stuff before him, we can't really say that we're healed of those things, can we? But we can pray for suddenness. I tried praying for years for my metabolism to change. And that thing, come on, Jesus, this is your will, I know it. No, he wants me to face it. Well, I don't want to. doesn't matter what you want, Tom. And every one of us has an area like that. Do we not? Every one of us has this thing that we have locked away that says, I don't want to touch it, it's painful. And we can go through the motions and we can praise God and we can have victory in a lot of other areas of our lives, but we can't say that that area is set free. And we know it, don't we? You know, and it's important that we come to this place so that we truly believe that Jesus can set us free of these things. But so often we believe our fears more than we believe the Word of God. We have these doubts. We have this deception that we believe more than what God says. How many of us really have struggled with God loves you? Uh, Yeah, sure does. Many of us have struggled with the fact that are we even really saved because of certain behaviors continue. Can we even go to heaven considering all the bad stuff that I've done? You know, there's a lot of different things that we've had to really work through to say that we've had freedom. Just because we thought we believed in Jesus and we went to church and we had a Bible and we've read it sometimes and we've prayed some, that there's been areas in our lives that have been anchored in some very painful places that have kept us stuck for a long time. You know, and it's important that we really begin to bring this deception, bring these fears, bring these doubts to the Word of God and say, what's the Word say about this? You know, because the more we begin to believe the Word over the way we feel or the way we think, that it begins to heal those areas because what we think we know what we're trying to put on the shelf, but we think we know stuff, you know, we can't fill a full cup. Until we dump out some of that stuff, we can't be refilled by what Jesus has to give us. You know, and this is a process. I wish that it was a boom, one and done. I wish, okay, you said the sinner's prayer, you're perfect from this day forth. And why that's funny is every one of us knows that that's not even close. But yet somewhere locked in the back of our head, we think that now that I have Jesus, that things are just going to be smooth sailing. You know, that addiction, it took years of trial and error to get that thing surrendered. 
you know, there was pain and, and unforgiveness. It took years of trying to hang on to such anger and, and bitterness. Like, I'll never forgive. Rah! It makes me strong. It makes me tough. And man, depression, the anxiety that came from certain events, because I was unwilling to do it any other way than my way. Sexual abuse. What that did not only to my body, but to my mind. It took years to to begin to unravel that thing. And in a moment, Jesus comes in and begins to heal me and teach me my identity is in Him and not in what has been done to me and not in what I have done. You know, this is a process that, you know, His truth, His light is breaking off the darkness, is, is uprooting our doubts, uprooting our reasoning. We're trying to figure it out. It's not logical. Jesus getting up out of the grave is not logical. So right there, done. Logic is not a part of what we do. As much as we try to find logic in things, don't we? Man, we'll go around and around with that thing. Trying to figure it out. Trying to make sense of it all. Well, why did this happen? <laughs> I don't know why it happened. I know once I gave it to Jesus, he's put me in the proximity of people that needed to hear about my story of what Jesus brought me through. So I would say that that's why it's happened. So you're saying that God made it so that you got molested? No, I think the enemy took advantage of a young kid. Jesus came along and set that kid free. And now that kid tells a story about what Jesus did for him. But each one of us has to, to come to terms with how our past lays out into our future through the lens of the cross. If there's some area that can't make it to the other side of the cross, that's some area that I'm still hanging on and trying to do it my way. Does that make sense? Are you following me on this? You know, and this is where the truth really starts to kick in, is that I have to lay all these things down so that I can be this new creation, so that I can be born again, so I can have this new life in Christ. So this stuff is under the blood. And this is where I find my hope is in Christ. Some of us have some pretty traumatic pasts. There's some ugly stuff that the people in this room have been through. I mean, literally, we could make some awesome movies. Good. TBN stories. Maybe not. Hallmark movies. There you go. Christmas stories. We've had some painful stuff. We've been through it, haven't we? It's a miracle that we're even here. It's literally a miracle that some of us are even alive. Jesus isn't done with us. Jesus has a whole new story that he wants to write with each and every one of us. There's chapters that have yet to be written. And he wants to use each and every one of us specifically in certain areas. And someday, we'll get this aha moment that he works everything together for good according to his purposes. What the enemy intended for evil, God will use for his glory. We'll have these moments where it's like, oh, 
Now I get it. But up until that moment, if we're trying to logically try to figure it out or trying to get our whys answered before those moments, it's like beating our head into the wall, isn't it? You know, Jesus has a process for each and every one of us that is far greater than we understand. In 2 Corinthians 12.9, Jesus tells us that my grace is enough for you. For where there is weakness, my power is shown more completely. Being powerless is really difficult. Being weak is really difficult. You know, we struggle with pride, we struggle with ego, we struggle with stubbornness, we struggle with control. And becoming weak is is not something that we can easily do. It takes practice of laying things down and, and, and trust in Jesus to do it His way, that His power can be shown in us only when we do it his way, not doing it our way and throw some Jesus bumper sticker, you know, verses around on it. I can pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, that's great. I can talk to a baby and they sound very similar. I want to be a testimony. Don't you want to be a testimony of what Jesus can do in the worst of situations? This is where we find hope, is that we find hope in what Christ is going to do. We find hope in what Christ has done. We don't find hope in me figuring this thing out, because then we're all screwed. If it was up to me to figure out how my life was going to get better with no Jesus, I probably wouldn't have made it this far. It was getting real dark there at the end. Overdose, suicide, prison, one of those things was my option. Jesus wasn't even on the friggin' board. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be bad. And Jesus is like, ta-da, I have a whole other option for you, son. Come here. I did not want this. How many of us were like, one day I'm going to follow the Lord? I mean, you think about some of the stories in this room, right? I mean, come on. This is not where we would be. It would be more likely for some of us to be in the midst of the riot than it would be for us to be in a church. Come on. That is far more normal to the way that we used to live. Some of us are a little crazy. Some of us are a little crazier than that. And yet here we are, learning how to live different. So easy, right? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Isn't that the same? Change, it's so easy, right? You know, there's a, a, a saying that we all know that we need to change. We hate hearing that we have to change, but we don't know how to change. If we could change certain areas of our lives and do it the way we want, then we would have done it years ago. How do we change our lives? That's the the question, isn't it? I've learned that change doesn't come by resisting. I think resisting is a part, but change never comes just by resistance alone. Because if change came by resistance alone, 
every one of us that have ever been on a diet would be skinny right now. Come on. That's reality, right? Now I need to resist and then I need to do a bunch of stuff. And that's where the, the problem lies in some of our lives is that we don't want to do all this stuff and then the resistance is like, yeah, screw it. See, what I've learned in any area of my life that really begins to change and be, you know, completely changed is the more that I look at Jesus in this area of my life, the more that I apply the Word of God in this area of my life, the more I pray about this area of my life, the more that I get accountability in this area of my life is when true change begins to take place. And it's really none of my power. I find that power in so many other places, especially in Christ. Because if I could rest on my power alone, I would have changed certain areas of my life years ago because it was painful. The more I allow Jesus into this area, the more I practice the Word of God in this area, the more I allow prayer in this area, the more I allow people in this area is when things begin to shift and change. Yeah, that's the work. I just want him to study me. In Jesus' name, be skinny. In Jesus' name, be rich. In Jesus' name, I want a house. And guess what? That happens sometimes. I've heard stories of crazy things. I have crazy things happen in my life. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray. However, there's work to be done. And it's not until we really begin to to deny ourselves and follow Jesus, and we deny the fact that these are real issues, and we deny the fact that that we need help, and we receive God's grace. Some of us struggle with receiving God's grace in areas that we haven't changed yet, right? As much as we know that that's not the way this works, I can only receive God's grace once I'm better. Don't we still struggle with that? Or am I the only one? That condemnation stuff is tricky. It tries to creep in there all the time. As much as like we know that that's not a real thing, man, the enemy loves to use that stuff against us. I just know a few of your stories, you know, stuff that's been going on recently, and condemnation is at the center of a lot of it, isn't it? But yet, God's grace. So, what? Because those areas need more truth. Those areas need more light. Those areas need more Jesus. Those areas need more truth. Because the enemy gets in there and spins it and brings deception, brings emotion. We believe the emotion over what's true. And the emotion takes us spiraling all sorts of places, doesn't it? Man, if we could just turn off those emotions like we used to. That was so productive back then. It's really taming these things. You know, Paul says that my body will be a slave to my mind and that his mind was a slave to the spirit. Right? So the more we allow Jesus in, our mind becomes renewed. Emotions can't take us certain places they used to. That we bring every thought captive back to the obedience of Christ and that our feet begin to walk in a new path because we're following the one who's leading us rather than just doing whatever we feel. You know, and this is where we find hope. We find hope in Christ. That he has the ability to change even the worst of us. 
But we're afraid to change. We're afraid to give up certain things. I know working with some of you, there were certain lies in your head, and man, that thing was strong. I had almost like trick you to try to convince you to just try to trust Jesus just a little bit. Right? Like, I can't do it. I'm like, you can. Please. We've had the same conversation like six months now. Like, it's not working your way. Let's try his. Just a little. Just a little bit of Jesus in there. Give me just a little bit. Come on. And once you crack that door, what happens? Once that, that lie gets uprooted, what happens? What, you know, you start confessing different things. What happens? All of a sudden, it's like <clears throat> grace begins to take place. And it's such an amazing thing. And yet, every time we get to the next thing, we're like, no, 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 I can't do it. I can't do it. I do it too. It makes no sense. We're afraid to change. Uprooting certain things are painful. Uprooting certain things are a lot of work. But don't we deserve better? And some of us struggle with that because, no, I don't think I do. But yet if I believe in Jesus and I'm one of his kids, right? Doesn't he have an inheritance for him? Doesn't he have some cool stuff that he wants to give us in spite of what might happen in this world? You know, and this is where we have to wrestle. I'm going to have a kingdom of gold and diamonds and rubies. No, but I can have a pretty sweet life this side of heaven. Why? Because I'm not doing all the sins I used to do that bring all that crap into my life. You know, that's where the despair comes. That's where the fear comes. That's where the condemnation comes. And I can't do it. I can't do it. But it can be done. Why? Because we find hope in Christ. We begin to trust His Word. We begin to find freedom in one area, and we get to victory in one area, and we begin like, wait a minute, if I can get victory in this area, that means I can get victory in that area. I watched that person get victory in this area. If he can do it for him, he can do it for me. And we start growing and changing and healing, don't we? Isn't that what this is all about? Is that we begin to find hope in other places because I can't muster it up for myself? I know sitting in front of Pastor Judy many, many, many years ago, and many of us have have had conversations or counseling sessions with Pastor Judy, I remember sitting there and listening to her story and believing that if this woman is telling me the truth about her life and she is as happy and as free as she seems, if Jesus can do that for her, Jesus can do that for me. And many of us have had a very similar thought process, haven't we? And she's not the only one that's free. Some of you in this room are now free of some pretty scary stuff that you have a testimony now that when you start to work or talk to other people, they're like, if you got it, then he can do it for me. And that's how, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, people begin to get added to this kingdom. It's not a kingdom of ours, it's a kingdom of his. But sometimes we don't allow certain things to change because we're scared and we sabotage it, don't we? You know, and we have to find where these lies are, are stuck. And usually the only way we can find that there's lies or deception or darkness in our area is by talking to somebody else. 
because usually when it's just stuck in our heads and rolling around with just us, we come up with some great scenarios, don't we? And all of a sudden we begin to talk to another human being. Sometimes we don't even need to eat another human being. We just start saying stuff out loud and we're like, that's crazy. That's not right. That's not true. But isolated in my head alone with me and the enemy, because he's whispering really loudly, I can go to some pretty crazy places. But the second I start to speak those things into existence and I I start to bring light into my darkness, I bring truth into my lies, things begin to change. Some of the problem is my attitude. I'm not willing to do it. And how wonderful you feel after you make statements like that. I'm not going to. I don't want to. That's not for me. I can't. uh." You know, it's like, man, you're just hanging on to some ugly stuff. And every one of us did it. I remember saying, I'm never going to forget. Man, that was a fun ten years. I'm lucky I made it out. When we're willing, things begin to shift. You know, a lot of times we can't find the power until we're willing. And Jesus begins to change us because our attitude begins to change. This is where we find the power. A lot of times the only thing that we can do is, is keep our attitude in check and not say some of the things that we're thinking. Sometimes that's a victory in Christ for some of us, isn't it? If we said all the things that we think, it'd be bad. I know some of you. It'd be really bad. Sometimes that shows that we got Jesus, is that we're not saying the things that we're thinking. We've wanted to change for a long time. And we have to begin to to lay these things down at his feet and say, I can't do it. You know, and I've been praying that lately. I can't do it. I've tried to do it my way several times. I've tried to do it my way with you several times. I still end up in the same old place I used to be. And when you, you fall enough times, you kind of you get fed up and you give up, Right? But we got to get back up again. A righteous man, woman falls seven times. Can't fall seven times unless you get up. Some of us got to get up. Some of us have been down for a minute. We've got freedom in some areas and not all areas, and that, that's normal, right? We're not floating around like you know on Jesus clouds, like I got this figured out. Like that's not a thing. None of us woke up today, Jesus. That means we got work to do. And if you're struggling in an area and you can't get up, you know, get you one of those little things, you click it. But, you know, I'm falling and I can't get up. No, we need to start being humble and saying, I need help. And some of you are doing that. Some of you are, are, are working on some of the areas that you've been struggling with for a long time. And I'm hearing testimonies like, I can't do it. And it doesn't mean you don't keep slipping. It's just, you know, you're starting to speak different. You know, you're asking for help, and that's a huge part of change. 
You know, we've wanted to change, but been unable to change because we can't free ourselves. We need Jesus. And that power to change comes through God's grace and God's grace alone. You know, and this is where hope begins to bring us in, is that we can have hope in him to help us to change because he's the only one that can change us. So I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, I know that this has been a weird season of our lives, but we're coming out of it, right? We're getting up. You know, so I encourage you to, to, to reach back out to people. And I know that, you know, you are, you wouldn't have been here, but you and Jesus need to have a chat of what really needs to get laid at its feet so that things can begin to change in certain areas that you've been fighting for a while. You know, and we're going to believe and we're going to hope together that, you know, Jesus is still Jesus. Amen. We just bow your heads with me. Lord, no one can change us except you. I think there's things that we can do, but it truly, you're the one that renews our mind. You're the one that heals our heart. You're the one that makes us more like you, that we cannot be Christ-like on our own. We can't be Christ-like without your word. So, Lord, I, I pray that where we would actually resist you, that things would begin to flow differently, Lord, that there would be a willingness in each and every one of us to, to begin to address some of the things that we you know, fight with and, and, and try to hang on to, Lord, that, that we would become repentant and truly lay these things at your feet and, and really begin to change direction. Lord, I, I pray that there would be such a hope in here tonight, Lord, that, that we realize that we're not alone in some of our struggles. But, Lord, you're with us in those places that we could ask you in. We ask for your strength. We ask for your help. We ask for your guidance. We ask for your healing. We ask for your renewing. Lord, help us to be strong in Christ, Lord, where we have been weak for so long. I just thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.